Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall, shall be satisfied. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, good morning, way folks. We are continuing our series on anxiety, O oh, Anxious Heart. And this morning, what we're going to do is take a little different approach, a different approach to anxiety, what's going on in our hearts. And we're going to do it through Matthew 5, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We read those first six verses. And in talking about the Sermon on the Mount and talking about anxiety, it, you might think I'm going to immediately go to, um, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons or daughters of God. You might think that I'm going to go there, which is a very, very good phrase, uh, but not our focus this morning. What is the basis for those who take peace to others? Right Before you can ever take the peace to anyone else around you, it's necessary that you yourself are at peace. So your anxiety, and we kind of see this, here's an example in Psalm 42. It's David, right? And he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why is there turmoil? Why is there turbulence? Why is there anxiety in me? And uh, we can't bring peace to others until our own hearts, that anxiety has been squelched in a peculiar and real way. And so the Sermon on the Mount is going to give us a little handhold here. Uh, they're called the Beatitudes, and if you've never known what that means, um, it just means a blessedness. So it means you have been blessed. You have been given something special. You've been touched with some extra. You have you have more than, right, because of the just straight-up presence from God, the blessings from God. And so the blessed ones, the blessed ones begin to look similar. They, You will notice similar traits in the blessed ones, um, and you can point to real evidence. Uh, the people who are his, his children, who have this blessedness, have the honors from God, um, uh, there, there are markers of their blessedness. And so do you want to know if you belong to God? You can look at the signs of these real um, markers of blessedness. So in Matthew 5, Jesus starts with this list, and it actually begins to sound pretty mopey. It's almost like blessings noir. Uh, my children, the blessed ones, are, what do they look like? And the first one is that they're poor in spirit. So the blessed ones, the blessed, are able to admit that the problems uh, within themselves and the problems that they see out in the world are, are really beyond their abilities to, 
to really fix them, truly fix them. Uh, I think a lot of us, maybe maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of us are mainly brought up, we're taught, right? We're brought up to believe that life is uh, pretty manageable and it can be controlled through sensible decisions and uh, uh, sensible means and strategies. And so I think a lot of us, including myself, we promote this dream that most of life can be managed somehow if you make the right call and you do the right thing. But over time, and you don't, you don't have to be a Christian for this, but over time, that worldview, that life can be managed, it, it, it dis, not only does it dissipate, it gets radically crushed. And that realization is an incredible downer. It's a massive depressant. Uh, ask Solomon if you go to Ecclesiastes. Ask people in midlife. Uh, the midlife crisis is not just a 20th or 21st century phenomenon. Uh, I, I personally think it is an awakening to the fact that all of your best efforts and ideas and accomplishments in in what are perhaps the most energetic years of your life did not fix you did not fix others and on the whole really didn't fix world problems uh, Dante really nailed it. it opening lines of the divine comedy uh, he says it this way midway upon the journey of our life that's midlife I found myself within a forest dark for the straightforward path had been lost. Okay, you say, so let's get some therapy. And, and most, not all, but, but many, many therapies insist on exclusively examining the self. And so, in, in a search for help, a person often will descend deeper into the person who got them there in the first place. Uh, I, think, I think bad therapy is a great definition for self-absorption. Um, Jesus is, is saying this, uh, blessed, the blessed ones can admit that the problems are too big to be managed. They're poor in spirit. They're poor in spirit. He goes on. He says this. My children, my people, the blessed ones, uh, they mourn, which is also blessings noir. Uh, when his blessed ones, when his blessed children begin to identify problems around them, and they could be sociological problems, anthropological, cultural, political, racial, environmental, psychological, philosophical, contextual, like your, like, like your neighborhood and your community and your city. Um, um, they, those are certainly categories filled with problems. But his children, his blessed ones, Insist, like they demand another category be included in all of those other categories, and they insist on a spiritual category. And they say these words I say these words 
I am a sinner. Like all of those other problems are never divorced from mourning. Mourning the fact that the problem also lies within. Uh, The London Times at one point sent out a general inquiry to their readership for a feature that they were going to do. And uh, to, and they asked their readership, they said, would you send in your various opinions uh, in answering this question? And the question was this, uh, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? And uh, G.K. Chesterton, noted literary art critic, a writer himself, uh, he wrote in uh, a brief little letter, and I will read it in its entirety. I'm sorry for reading the whole thing. I'm just going to do it. He wrote in and he said, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. I am. I am what is wrong with the world. Even the ancient poets began touching this realization. Um, uh, Lao Tzu or Lao Tzu um, there's this there's this line he says he says conquering other men makes you strong but conquering yourself makes you mighty we mourn we mourn that our problems include us we say those words and it's a mournful thing i am a sinner we really don't use that jargon. Even if we're saying it out loud here, it, it feels strange. If you put those words in your mouth at home, on your couch, on your bar stool, it, 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 they feel strange. We, we don't use that phrase, I am a sinner. Um, you don't walk into the conference room and say, thanks, Bob, for the presentation, but I'd like everyone to know that I, I have sinned against you this past week. Uh, we don't use it with our neighbors. We, we, I don't know if we use it with our families much. We can say, I'm sorry, but how often do we say, I have sinned against you? I am a sinner. Uh, we haven't been able to conquer ourselves. And so Jesus says his blessed ones mourn. We're mourning the fact that I, 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 am, I am part of the world's problem. I am a sinner. Jesus goes on. He goes on in the Beatitudes, the, the blessed ones, right? The blessing, the blessedness of his blessed ones. And he says, my children, my, my people, my blessed ones, they are meek. And so, um, yeah, we admit the problems are too big to truly fix. Um, yeah, we admit that I, myself, you, yourself are part of the problem. Um, but but if, if it was just that, you could actually get really super depressed and and hopeless and angry, even uh, bitter and mean. Or you could turn to God and say, hey, I need you. I need your help. That's meekness. That's meekness. Hey, Dad, can you help me with this? Uh, I can't do it. That's meekness. Can you help me with this? I can't do it. 
Now, it brings us to the next one. That was very brief, but it brings us to the next one, and Jesus says, my, my, my people, my children, my blessed ones uh, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it says in Matthew 5, will be satisfied. Uh, now, it doesn't say this. Not those who go hunting after being blessed. Then say that. It says those who go hunting for an outside rightness. Um, I have a rightness that is not my own. And that is something we need every single every day, every day, every day. I need to hear it again. So what does that look like? Um, it looks like hunger and thirst. That's that's kind of one area I want to cover. And then it looks like hunting for full and thorough rightness, not not just a portion of, not just a portion of. So we hunger and we thirst for rightness. In this quarantine, <laughs> I think we've probably spent a little bit more on food than normal. I don't know if we are eating our feelings. I, I I know we're trying maybe a few more new recipes that we found on food blogs. Um, maybe we've spent a tad more on DoorDash. I, I know I have gained weight. <laughs> I have not known hunger. I have not known thirst because I have the food, an ample supply of food. And there's more food where that came from. But what if you don't have the food? What if you don't have the food? Uh, so um, not only have we been eating, but of course, many of like many of you have been watching maybe a little bit more Netflix, and we've been watching a show called Alone, and it's about uh, ten participants that are put into a remote place, and um, they are allowed ten items, and it's really um, who can survive the longest. I, I got this great suggestion from Richard Kahn and Terry Keita. Thanks, guys. Great recommend. And um, this this latest season that I watched, it was all about these participants in the Arctic. And they had come in there around September. It was starting to get very cold. And they were, had to think about food sources and heat. Um, and w- what they did is once they got their fire going, they would just think about food constantly constantly and really what it what is happening it's a slow starvation right their body begins to burn all the stored fat and then once that's gone it starts to destructively and really in a dangerous way begin to destroy muscle but food and hunger is maddening to them that's using kind of their own words it occupies most of their thoughts for most of the day and they're willing to eat anything reindeer moss they'll boil reindeer moss rabbit entrails moose kidney fat uh, squirrels uh, mouse head fish eggs crowberries you name it Uh, uh, there was this one contestant that she said she spent an entire day and into the night uh, dreaming about just one biscuit. And she said I, she just couldn't stop thinking about a warm, simple biscuit. And then she said, and to top it all off, then I started to think about butter. Like, what if I, I, I had this biscuit, this warm biscuit, and I put butter on it? 
<laughs> that is hunger, right? And hunger happens in the absence of food. So the scriptures describe people, person after person, who are hungering and thirsting and they're struggling and they're wrestling and they're fighting and desiring righteousness or uh, another word I'm going to term rightness so everyone is struggling because there's an absence of the rightness and I think think Christians and non-Christians actually feel the same here right? Um, what is is, uh, rightness? Um, to be noticed by someone else and given the thumbs up Right? Like you've passed assessment and muster from somebody. And, and then what happens? Like you're received. Like you're pulled in due to your excellence or, or your skills. Like you're accepted. You're counted among the group that matters. You know, there's a rightness that you have with someone. So let me give you an example. Uh, you go out with someone. It's a first date. Right or or you tie, uh, target a higher position in your com- company, you send in your applications, you put out your, your new project or your new product, or you put out your your finely crafted email to the team. Right, you move into a new community or neighborhood, um, and what what are we waiting for? We're waiting. We're waiting for some sort of what verdict to come back, some statement to come back. It could be implied or explicit, right? That that, that you'll be approved, um, that you'll be accepted, you'll be pulled from that group, and you'll be pulled into the right group, and you're waiting for rightness. You're waiting for rightness. Will will someone say to you, um, hey, you know what? Let's do this again. I would really like that. you are so enjoyable to be around. Let's have a second date. Um, or, or you're waiting to hear this. You know what? <laughs> we actually think you're the right person for this position. Or we're waiting to hear. You know, welcome to the cl- welcome to the school. Y- y- you you are uh, you are the right person. Uh, we're waiting for someone to say, "Oh, you know what? We really like what you did there." that was on target. Or we're waiting for someone to say, you're part of us. You fit here. You fit our, our, our crew, our squad. We like you. You're our type of people. See, uh, the not rightness, that, that's the rejection, that, that is tough. That is tough. We're all hunting rightness. We're all hunting it. Now, now we hunt for it in different places. I grant you that, uh, uh, but we all want the rightness because the rejection stinks. That 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 cuts deeper than we feel comfortable with. But why is that? Because we've all used what we're pursuing to make us world worthwhile for the rightness. Um, the, the scriptures just get us here. We're all hunting and searching for the rightness. Uh, um, a friend of mine here in South Pass, Andy Bernstein, uh, he has a podcast, and part of that podcast was uh, duplicated in the LA Times. And uh, uh, Bernstein interviewed Jerry West. And if, if you do not know who Jerry West is, Jerry West is this guy. 
on the NBA logo, a fantastic basketball player in his days. And then he became quite the architect for building dynasties. You know it. He built Showtime Lakers, uh, Golden State Warriors he's built, and now he is working on his <laughs> his a third amazing project, the Clippers. So I, I want to read you some excerpts from this interview with Andy Bernstein, and, and, and they are incredibly power, uh, powerful. Um, this is a man who has always sought to win, to win in everything that he's doing. And he, he says this. He says, you know, I, I'll quote these. Um, there are only three little quotes here. I, I think a, a lot of us in life almost live a lie sometimes. People don't look at what form the person that you've become at all. So he's talking about a reflection, a reflection and meditation on how and uh, where we came from and why we are the way we are. Then he says this, uh, uh, probably the worst thing in the world, I think, when you have this problem with yourself, is that the person you talk to all the time is you. He goes on. It's just a god-awful feeling to have looked at yourself and have no self-worth at all, regardless of what you've accomplished. Uh, skips a little bit, and then he says this. Maybe that's why we need fans to tell us we are something special. But that wears out, too. Uh, do you hear Jerry West hunting for rightness? Do you hear it? Not from the self, but from someone outside. And something greater than thousands of fans. It's got to be bigger than that. Uh, Romans 3 tells us this. No one has the rightness. Not No, not one. Not one has the rightness. And we're all looking for it. And where you look matters. Now, now someone could say this. Yeah, I, I don't really have the hunger for rightness that you're talking about. I just don't. I, wh why? Well, I'd say, well, first of all, you're right. You don't have the hunger. Um, do you know why? It's because you are eating your rightness from a food source that hasn't disappointed you yet. You are eating your rightness from a food source that hasn't disappointed you. But it will. It, we just need some more time. Now, Christians hunger and thirst for rightness in the right place because we think this, okay, God alone has the rightness. Um, but but we, we also know something else as Christians. Okay, uh, because I say this, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Because I say those words, right? Um, I know and we know that because I say those words, I am not accepted by God. Not accepted by God. Not accepted by God. This gets something really kind of basic, fundamental, and um, this approval of God matters more than all the other approvals. This acceptance matters more than all the other acceptances. Okay, We admit that. The very nature of God means that we are not accepted by Him because we say, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. So, this is what we hunger and thirst for. This is kind of the second area of hungering and thirst for complete and thorough rightness is all about. Um, 
it's pretty clear that we are hungering and thirsting for something that we don't have. I, I read an account recently about an American engineer who was in North Korea teaching at um, a, a, a little government academy. And he had a student in a private moment say this to him. Tell me more stories about food. Tell me more stories about food. Um, hungering for something he didn't have. And you can't really see this in the, our English translation of Matthew 5, but we see this phrase, um, the blessed ones hunger and thirst for righteousness. We read that. And in Greek, it would be normal to see uh, some something that would say, the blessed ones hunger and thirst for um, their portion of righteousness. Their, 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 the, the righteousness that would apply to them. And, uh, but, but in Matthew, the Greek does something very odd. It doesn't do in many other places. It, it says this, the blessed ones hunger and thirst for all of the perfected righteousness, for all of the right, for, for, for rightness itself, righteousness itself. In other words, um, this is what's really interesting here. In other words, the blessed ones don't put it on. Like, 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 they don't put a portion of the rightness on, like through um, doing good or stopping bad things. Or um, that—that's a moral person. That's a religious person, right? The blessed ones. No, no, no. This is what this is what real Christian. This gets to the the heart of the matter. Real the real Christians, right? The real blessed ones have their entire person substituted for all of the completed, perfect, thorough right rightness, right? That's Christianity. That's, that is not religious, and that's not just moralism. Uh, the late John Stott, um, and, and just an aside, if you're a single person wanting to um, work in Jesus' kingdom in ministry, John Stott is just, just a great example. Single his whole life. Uh, died just nine years ago. This beautiful, massive uh, ministry in the UK. Uh, he says this at, at this point. He says this, If the essence of sin is man having substituted himself for God. That's the essence of sin, right? Um, then the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. You, you, you see that? The, the, that's complete, thorough, perfect rightness, right? It's not portional, right? Like you just throw on with behavior. That is complete. That is righteousness itself. So... Uh, it's this. It's it's the God the Father looking at His Son. This is this is like perfect rightness if you get it. And and He says, "This is my Son with whom I am well pleased." That is rightness. That is relational rightness. Um, that's acceptance. That's approval. All right. His opinion, God's opinion, and approval is the only thing that matters. So let me let me connect it a little bit. So um, when you're calling a client or you're going on a date, or you're submitting a project, or you're rolling out a product, and you're, or you're applying for schools, or you're asking for a raise, or a new position, or a promotion, or, or, or you're really wanting your, your child to perform, 
Um, those things, those things, no lo- as a Christian, those things no longer work backward and give a verdict on you about you. Because why? You already have the rightness and the acceptance with all of the rightness. Uh, it's great. Uh, th- let, me, let me let me tell a small story. Uh, it, it was Christmas Eve day. This was years ago in my ministry, and, and it was very slow. No one, um, everyone else had kicked off for the day. I was alone in my office, and I, a guy called the church, and uh, he said, "Look, I'm from New York. Uh, I'm in grad school. I'm pretty much of an atheist. I can't find a counselor, but do you have any time?" <laughs> so of course, uh, being Christmas Eve day, it's very slow. And uh, I w- uh, wanting to feel significant, right, on Christmas Eve day, I get lunch with him. I say, hey, let me take you out to lunch. And he starts talking. Um, well, uh, he was looking for help because his girlfriend had just broken up with him. And she had told him that in his cruelest, worst moments, his words just eviscerate people. And she had pointed out that all of his relationships, she just kept pointed out all these relationships that he had destroyed in his past. And uh, he said that no one had shown him that or told him that. And uh, it, it took this, this woman to tell him that, but she had broken up with him. And he said this, he said, I am, I'm going to make this family friendly, but basically uh, the short summary is, he says, I am a, a bleeping bleep 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 to everybody I have ever bleeping known. And he said, almost mockingly, he said, this was over our table, he said, let me guess, you're going to say, Jesus loves me. And I I said this, I said, you know, I, I might end up there, but I think that you're a bigger bleep than you possibly know. Uh, I told him that I'd start there. Uh, by the way, it's one of the many counseling services I can offer you if you ever if, if you ever need that. Um, but then I told him this, and then and only then, after I had securely and firmly told you that, would I say that you could have his approval through all of his works all of his person and and I'm not looking at your evidence I'm looking at his Uh, I said you could have not just approval but you could have an affection that would never break up with you Um, in spite of you know this, this mountain of evidence um, I will tidy up that story. Um, I haven't seen that guy again. I did receive an email. Um, uh, he is an officer in a church. He came to know Jesus. I've, I've never seen him again. And he sent an email thanking me for that strange Christmas Eve day. Uh, why do I tell that story? You know, You know all the compliments that you might receive when when things are clicking like you're on top of it 
and you're smart, maybe charming, maybe witty, maybe funny, maybe you're beautiful, maybe you're organized, um, may, maybe you got a steel trap of a mind, maybe you're, you're just amazing uh, uh, analyzer, maybe um, maybe you're brilliant, maybe you're a genius, maybe you're really good at making money, uh, maybe you're just really steady, maybe you're really nice and upbeat and positive. You know, um, you know, you know, you have to keep it up so the approval ratings on your life stream in. But it's based on your best. I, I think as we grow older, a lot of us feel this, but beneath it. You feel you feel the fakeness. You, you even question maybe 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 I'm a fraud. You know it doesn't match the compliment streaming. You know why I say, in a very unpopular way, I'm a sinner, and my rightness is Jesus alone. This is why. You will never rid yourself of your anxiety until you've been accepted at your worst. I will never rid myself of my anxiety until I walk into and believe that I've been accepted at my worst. But when that does happen, we are talking peace. So much peace, you take it with you. You take it with you, and it goes into every place that you walk into. Oh, anxious heart. Oh, anxious heart. I am a sinner, and I have all of the rightness through Jesus Christ alone. Pray with me. Our Father, you are pleased. You approve of your Son. And with that approval, Jesus, by his Spirit, has applied that to the blessed ones the blessed ones, those that are hungering and thirsting for something that they know they can't supply. Jesus, we ask that you not only apply to that truth in a, in a fresh way, a new way here this morning, but we ask that you give it to us again by your Spirit. Day after day after day. Jesus, please do this, we pray. Amen.